Well, as you saw as you came in today, that we have a, a, a wonderful service and that we will be participating in the Lord's Supper uh, right at the tail end of this message. So let's get into our message right away so we can um, make just a centerpiece of our service the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to invite you to look at the passage that Sadie has already read for us. We have been, during this summer, taking a look at the Ten Commandments. And one of the emphasis we have made is that these are really for our freedom. These are for the blessings of our life. If we really want to live the life that God has intended for us, well, then we will reflect on these commandments. This is not a way of which we earn God's approval. We could never do that. It is only through God's grace, through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection we can, but this is how we are to live liberated lives. Already this morning I have been blessed. I was able to sit in with our children's and preschool uh, teachers uh, at 9 o'clock just to have kind of a a time together just to express our appreciation for all of the great work that they do. Don't you appreciate our children's teachers? They are a real blessing to us. It also gave me an opportunity to hear some of the blessings that they're experiencing within those classes. And one of them that I heard was that one of our classes goes through the Ten Commandments every Sunday and just kind of recites those as a class. It reminded me of a story of which another children's class did the same, where the teacher emphasized not only memorizing those Ten Commandments, but then finding personal applications for them. The teacher was trying to teach these Ten Commandments to the students, and she thought it would be most helpful not only to memorize them, but then to provide concrete illustrations. So she said to the class once, early, one Saturday morning, Johnny's parents were going shopping. They asked Johnny to wash the dishes while they were gone. When they returned, however, Johnny was watching cartoons, and the dishes still were not washed. And she asked, well, what commandment has been violated? And they all blurted out at the same time, honor thy father and mother. The teacher said, good. And then she offered another one. And went shopping with her mother. But when no one was looking, she slipped a candy bar into her pocket. Again, the class blurted out, thou shalt not steal. Great, said the teacher. And then she offered the next story. Andy was a cruel little boy and had a bad temper. He got angry with his little sister one day, and grabbing her pet kitten, he threatened to pull its tail off. Now, that was a much tougher example. Everyone was really quiet for a moment. But then one little fellow brightened up and shouted, What God has joined together, (laughs) let no one separate. Well, let us consider the fourth commandment today that you're already familiar with, the gift of rest. J.I. Packer, in his little book called Keeping the Ten Commandments, offers, I think, a very helpful review. 
He says, as we're considering ways that we can honor God, we honor him with our loyalty in commandment one, where we have no other God before him. We honor God in our thought life in commandment two, when we don't make anyone or anything into a graven image. We honor God with our words in commandment number three, when we do not take his name in vain. And in commandment number four, we honor God with our time. So I think what we see here in these few verses is a natural flow of an outline. So let me first, you can view this in your outline and in your bulletin if you would like, but a very straightforward one. Number one is what is the fourth commandment? Number two, how are we to keep the commandment? And then number three, why are we to keep the commandment? That's what these verses address. And then if you've been around here long enough, you know that eventually this is going to land in Jesus. And we're going to be pointing to Jesus by the end of this message. So let's first consider the first question here. What is the fourth commandment? Look again with me at Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, for the answer to that question. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it Holy. Sometimes these commandments are stated in the negative sense, you shall not, but we see this commandment being stated in the positive sense. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I think there's at least three main words that would be wonderful just to pause on. The first is the word remember. This is a verb that emphasizes not only recalling, but a recalling that will lead to action. And when it says here in verse 8, remember, what stands the fourth commandment apart from all the others is that this commandment is actually mentioned earlier in the book of Exodus. You might remember in Exodus 16, if you'd like to turn there with me, you can, When he says, remember, in verse 8, he is insinuating here that they have already heard this commandment before. There was a time there in Exodus chapter 16 where the people were grumbling because they were hungry. Look what it says there in Exodus 16, verse 3. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. In verse 4, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I might test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Look at verse 5. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. And if we just skip down to verse 22, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it all aside to the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there was no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will 
not find it in the field. Verse 26, six days you shall gather, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. And so you see this example here in verse chapter 16, where there's just six days of work and then another day of rest. What does this word Sabbath mean? It means to cease, rest, or worship. And then this word holy means to be set apart or sanctify. So here's the fourth commandment that we are to remember, that we are to reflect on this day of rest and to make it special. I tell you, as the boys have gotten older, Thursday evenings have become more and more special to me and hopefully to Melody because that's a day that we can, that evening is a day we can get out together and just have a meal. It doesn't have to be really fancy, but there could be so many things that fill in the week but we can get to Thursday and we can catch up in our relationship with one another. I, I take Fridays off, and, and it might be a full week, but typically a Friday lunch is a time where I'll bring the boys and we will go somewhere out to eat. Now, it's not going to be for steak. It's certainly not going to be Red Lobster, but it's going to be something where we can just reconnect with one another. And that's kind of the idea here. The word remember Think of your wedding anniversary. I don't know how your wedding anniversary is, but hopefully what it is in is just a a couple of words on the calendar, and then you just shoot your wife a text and say, hey, we were married uh, five years ago today. Great job. (laughs) Hopefully, there's a little bit more into that, where you are making that day, can I say it, holy, different. There's, there's an investment that you are making, and it's an opportunity to reflect on your marriage and your years and develop appreciation for one another. That is the idea that we see in the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Here's the second question then. How? How are we to keep the commandment? And the answer to that is found... In verses 9 and 10, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. So how are we to keep the Sabbath? All we're doing is just looking at what the Word says to us. I think first, we are to work for six days. Let me ask you a question. Is work a bad thing? I think what we may consider is we might think of work as a a curse of sin. But I would remind you this. Even before the first sin, we read in Genesis 2 verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, keep it. You see that work is actually a blessing from God. He had given this to us to do even before the curse of sin. So how do we keep the Sabbath? Well, 
we get the privilege of working, keeping it literal now, for six days. Work is God's means for provision for us. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not. That's right. Let him not eat. This work here, I think, is not only employment, but it also refers to the work of our family, the work of caring for our home. Our works, our lives rather, are to be characterized by work. And God has been very generous to us that He allows us to work for six days. And and to give him one of those seven days. He certainly could have flipped that and said, I'm going to allow you to get everything done on one day, but the six other days, I want you to worship and set aside for me. But that is not the stinginess of our Father. He's created us to work. He said, you go at it for, for six days. But the seventh is to be set aside for me. I heard of a story of a beggar that was out on the streets and he was begging for money and a person saw this beggar and moved with compassion, reached into their pocket and pulled out seven one-dollar bills and and out of mercy handed to that beggar six of those seven one-dollar bills. In response, the beggar smashed the guy across the face and grabbed the seventh $1 bill. Now, what's your response to this beggar? Wouldn't you say that he is a scoundrel? He is a a beggar? And and shouldn't he have been satisfied with getting $6 of which he was never entitled to to begin with? Well, God has given to us seven days. Six of those, he has said, you are to work, you are to provide. You are to be work money to provide for others. But the seventh day is for me. So the first thing we see here in these verses of how we are to keep the commandment is we are to work for six days. The flip side of that is that we are to rest and worship on the seventh day. Look again at verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now here's it stated in the negative form. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. And Now this kind of takes the loophole out of someone that would say, all right, I'm not going to work on the seventh day but my servants are going to do the work for me. He says, no, they're not allowed to work either. This seventh day is to be a special day. Now, when you think about this, there is something about God's order being expressed in our life. We were created to rest Let me say that again. We were created for rest, at least one day of the seven days. We were not created to just endlessly work. 
you know, uh, as a family, we burn wood virtually exclusively throughout the winter months. There's a few days where we have the furnace on if we're out of town. But I know what it's like to work a chainsaw, and I know what it's like to have a brand new chain. Man, there's nothing like it. And man, you can cut it straight, and you can be very efficient. But I also know what it's like to have a very dull chain. It doesn't cut straight. It does harm to your chainsaw. And like a chain, you and I need to be sharpened. And God's provision for that is the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. I remember a story. We had some people in our church that worked on cars for a living. And they were telling me a story once where there was this person that that said, I'm having a lot of difficulty with my car. What's the problem? Well, it doesn't start. What do you mean it doesn't start? Yeah, it's just like locked up. Well, let's go take a look at it. And this was a car that had like 50,000, 60,000 miles. And, and as they popped the hood and checked the oil dipstick, there was no oil in the engine. And the person said, when's the last time you've changed the oil? Changed the oil? What's that? They had never changed the oil on that engine. And no wonder it had locked up. Well, you and I are like vehicles that need to be experiencing regular maintenance. Tires changed. Oil changed. We are not made to work seven full days, four weeks a month, all throughout the year. So there's this rest. There's also an element of trust here, isn't there? One day a week equals 14% of potential income. And to be able to say, you know what? I trust the Lord that He will meet the needs of me and, and my family by giving up that seventh day. Now look what it says there again in verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So it's not just a day of physical rest. you see it? It is a day to the Lord your God. It is a day to be of worship. A day to reprioritize one's life on God and what matters to God. In another verse in Leviticus, it says, You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It is the Lord's Sabbath day, and it must be observed wherever you live. The Sabbath is a command that is repeated throughout the Old Testament. Five different times in the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Scriptures, and about a hundred times in the Old Testament. The Jews would go into great detail about what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. There's a, there's a passage in Numbers 15, speaking of firewood, where a man went and gathered firewood on the Sabbath. And you remember what happened to him? He was killed. He was stoned to death. So far we've covered what is the fourth commandment. Secondly, we've covered how are we to keep the fourth commandment. Now let's consider the third question. Why are we to keep the commandment. Look what it says here in verse 11. 
For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and then rested on the Sabbath day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. One author, Philip Ryken, says, we are called to work and rest because we have a we serve a working and resting God. God's people are to work and they are to rest because God worked and God rested. Now think with me for a little bit how we can take our cues from nature. Why is it that there are 24 hours in a day? Well, that's because that's how long the earth rotates on its axis. Well, what about the month? Why is it around 30 days a month? Well, that's the time of a moon cycle. And what about a year? Why is it that the year is about 365 days? Well, that's how long it takes for the earth to orbit the sun. Well, what about a week? Why is it that a week consists of seven days? And the answer to that goes right back to creation. Because God created in six days, and on the seventh day, rested. Isn't it ironic that one that would deny the existence of God keeps a calendar on God's creation? I think this is also convincing proof as you compare this passage to the creation account that God did create in six literal days. That's the only way this would make sense. So what one is to do on the Sabbath is to reflect back on creation, how God made this magnificent universe, universes, and reflect back on that. And because God worked and rested, His followers are to work And rest. Now, in Exodus 20, is not the only location in the scriptures where the Ten Commandments are written. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy for a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 5, where we will see a second place where the Ten Commandments are listed. And what we're going to see here is a second thing that God's people were to do on the Sabbath. One was to reflect on creation. But you will see that this fourth commandment was given specifically to his covenant people, these Israelites that were liberated from Egypt. Look at what it says here in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Let's just read in verse 12 and following, where we see this fourth commandment listed again. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a day to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Sounds familiar. But look at verse 15, where Exodus 20 has us reflect on creation, look at what Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, has us reflect on. 
You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and of the outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so you see here in Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, that God is speaking specifically to those people who were brought out from the land of Egypt. And he's saying, therefore, you shall keep the Sabbath day. So here's the question before us as we conclude our message today. How does Jesus fulfill the Sabbath? I think we can conclude that the fourth commandment, to be very specific, was designed for that original group of people that left Egypt. Does that mean it is not at all helpful to us today? Well, here's a few thoughts on that. Number one, Jesus never broke the fourth commandment. In Mark 2, we see that Jesus approved of his hungry disciples picking the heads of grain on the Sabbath. In Mark 3, he healed a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. In Luke 13, Jesus restored a woman with a disabling spirit. In Luke 14, Jesus heals a man with dropsy. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 17, Jesus saying, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The second part under how Jesus fulfills the Sabbath is that Jesus accomplished God's work. Speaking of this idea of working, Jesus, in John 4, verses 34, said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And his work was to provide rest, not just one day of a week, but ultimately for eternity. A couple of weeks ago, I was down in in New Orleans for that convention, and I needed a ride to the airport, and so I took an Uber and had a a drive from the hotel to the airport, and and there was a a driver with Vietnamese uh, descent, and uh, we talked a little bit. He asked me if I was a pastor. Yeah, I'm a pastor. And he said, well, I... Uh, I have my wife attends a church, but I'm actually um, a practicing Buddhist. And I said, well, can we, let's, let me just tell you a little bit about what we believe. And, and so we just walk through these Ten Commandments like you've heard it done probably repeatedly. Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Yes, I have. Well, can we walk through some of these? And so we talked about, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? And, and as we walk through each of these Ten Commandments, this man who, who was saying that all religions are basically the same came to a realization that he was guilty under God's law because this is what the function, or at least one of the functions of the Ten Commandments is. What was the work that God was called to do or what was the work that Jesus was called to do? The law convicts us of sin But it is Jesus who is able to save us from that sin. 
So can I just have you turn with me to a key passage in the New Testament? Look with me in the book of Colossians. Because I think this speaks clearly about the role of this Sabbath in Jesus' day or the New Testament days. Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. I'm in verse 13. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So all of us were dead in our sins. We had broken God's law. But God in his mercy made us alive with him and forgave us, verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. In a Roman culture, if one were guilty of a crime, they would write it out. If they were being crucified, they would nail it on a cross, identifying why that person was being crucified. Verse 15 says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Here's the point, that it is through Christ that has accomplished this work of providing salvation to those sinners like us. And then look at verses 16 and 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. We're reminded again, as we look at this fourth commandment, that these commandments cannot bring life. They only reveal our spiritual death. It is only through Christ that we will experience life. And he relates to the Sabbath, as well as food and drink and a festival and a new moon, as merely a shadow. So you have this word picture of this long timeline. And in the timeline, it goes back thousands of years of a shadow. But the real substance is Jesus and what he has done on the cross and in the being buried in a tomb and then being raised to life. He is the one who casts the shadow thousands of years before that. And here's the point. Obeying the Sabbath cannot save you. Only Christ can save you. And so he warns us not to pass judgment. You see it there in verse 16. It's as if to say, people within the church will see these things different. But Jesus is the one who has fulfilled this law. Jesus said, as Roman quoted a little bit earlier in our service, Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
The Sabbath, the fourth commandment, prepares us for a rest that we are truly longing for. Yes, we need rest from our physical bodies, but Jesus comes and satisfies the rest for our spiritual lives. And Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4 speak of an eternal rest that we can enter into. And then finally, the Lord's Day has replaced the Sabbath. We see this as Jesus was raised on the first day of the week. We can read about that in John verses 20 and 19. And we see the early church gathering throughout the New Testament on the first day of the week. B.B. Warfield, an old scholar, said Christ took the Sabbath into the grave with him and brought the Lord's Day out of the grave with him on the resurrection morning. Now, does this mean that we just ignore the fourth commandment? I would say that Jesus fulfills the fourth commandment and speaks to us about the rest that we long for, that we no longer need to strive in order to gain acceptance with the Father. But it has been granted by what Christ has done. And the truths of the fourth commandment, of the value of having a day to rest and to worship, still stands today. It is helpful for us to have a day in which we can reconnect with God. We use this word recreation. That word is probably ruined a bit for us because it really means to re-create. That means to come back over and over to not only God's creation, but how he delivered us from sin. The final thing we see over this, and we see it there in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, we would also see it in Romans chapter 14, is that the church is not to argue and quibble over the details of the Lord's day. You will need to sort through this for yourself and for your family. As I thought about these Ten Commandments, I cannot help but think of the value that they are to our family. If you're a father and mother, I literally have no idea how you can raise your children in the ways of the Lord apart from honoring the Lord's Day and prioritizing the gathering together of worship on a weekly basis. But we are not to judge one another, as it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Here's what I have found is that one way or another, we're going to have to rest. Either you're going to break down, either your chain is going to get so dull that you are not able to function in life, or you're going to do what the the Bible prescribes us, is to work, but also to take regular times of rest. I, I speak from experience here. I know what it's like just to, just to keep grinding and grinding and grinding and then just kind of hit the wall. And I've had to do times where I'm like, I'm just having really difficulty focusing. I'm, I'm, I'm lacking attention and energy. 
I'm not being very productive right now. Lord, would you show me what is going on? And just coming back to this, this teaching of taking a day to really focus on reconnecting with him. That's not to say that in the other six days we're not trying to be with him and connect with him. But we are not created to just grind seven days a week endlessly like that, one way or another. You'll have to take a break. Either do it God's way or you're going to crash. So what, what a better way to segue into our service than just to rest as we think about the Lord's Supper. This would be a great application for us just to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. As uh, God and the music team comes, I'm going to invite you to prepare your heart for this as we sing this great song about the cross. And if you haven't taken time to prepare your heart for the Lord's Supper already this morning, I'm going to give you some time to do that as we're singing this song. And then after the song, I'll have our deacons come and we will serve the Lord's Supper and we'll just be reflecting on the salvation that has been granted to us. Let's sing this song.